thank you for joining us on The Skeptic Psychic, where we delve into ancient societies, the ghosts, the paranormal, UFOs, all looking at it from the perspective of the true believer and from the skeptic perspective. Joining me, my partner, my co-host, my sibling, Kimber Rodriguez. Myself, I am Richard Gregg. And again, let's look into being the skeptic psychic. So coming in once, once more, once more, once more with the skeptic psychic. I am, of course, your host, Richard. I'm the man, uh, Greg. And with me, as always, the intelligent, sassy, highly uh, well-managed, and pretty smart uh, woman, Kimber Rodriguez. Hey, how's it going this week? Doing all right. How are you doing? Doing good. Anything exciting happening for you? Mm, not really. Just work, sleep, and eat. Oh, gee, we have such exciting lives. Yes. Yes, that's pretty much how it's been for me. Um, I just finished watching up to date the show Ghosts on CBS, but I've been watching it actually on Paramount. And it's actually a really cute show. Um, it's very interesting to find out about the ghosts and their lives before dying. And so now that we're all caught up, we started watching the British one. Mm -hmm. So I know I've heard from quite a few people that that's actually better than the, the American. Um, just got through the first episode, so I'll have to see. But have you checked it out yet? Uh, I've checked out a couple of the episodes. Weren't particularly fond of it. Oh, you're no fun. No, I'm not. <laughs> so tonight we're actually going to be talking about the show I'm sorry, not the show We are going to be talking about Haunted Hollywood Got Alan Smith saying sassy ghosts No, Hollywood <laughs> ghosts Hollywood They put together, you know the, the dreams and That these are made of You know That brought up uh, pure bliss Or uh, the strength and tragedy, those, that type of Hollywood. So go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Um, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Ghostly Podcast, Pat and Rebecca. Um, they did a similar show on April, for April Fool's Day. They call it Skeptics Day. And just to let you guys know, we will be talking about the ghost of Lucille Ball, not Lucy Ricardo. So... Let's go ahead and jump into the history. And Rick, why don't you tell us a little bit about how Hollywood came to be? Alrighty. Let's uh, go back to the wonderful time of 1887. A uh, former shoemaker from Kansas named Harvey Henderson Wilcock and his wife, Deidre Daida, had moved to Los Angeles with two private horses. Uh, Harvey wanting to make sure that his beloved horses arrived safely, traveled in baggage cars alongside him. They only had one child, Harry, who passed away at 18 months. So to control themselves, uh, Harvey and his wife would take buggy rides out to the 120 acres of Abercot and... Uh, out to the countryside, sorry. Excuse me. Write me up. <laughs> But uh, no, they uh, would uh, just, they take out into the buggy rides out to the canyons west of uh, Los Angeles, and so one day he decided to purchase uh, a 120 acre of spring and uh, fake orchards at 150 dollars an acre. Now that's pretty cheap uh, these days, but back then that was worth a lot of money. His wonderful wife had named the place Hollywood after an executive in a state of an acquaintance uh, had back in Illinois. She was quoted later by saying, I chose the name Hollywood simply because it sounded nice and because I'm superstitious. And Holly brings luck. Uh, yes. And uh, Harvey tried his hand at raising fruit that summer, but he didn't work out. So he decided to make a, a little bit money off of it and decided to subdivide the land into housing tracks. Registering the lots with the county recorder's office, 
he listed the uh, subdivision under the Hollywood name at a price of $1,000 each. Again, that's still a lot of money. A real estate developer by the name of H.J. Whitley purchased the neighborhood of 408-acre uh, ranch with the plans to start a town, and the name Hollywood stuck. Harvey's wife donated some more land to help with the town development, and the uh, first hotel uh, in 1890 was the Glen Holly Hotel. And by 1910, the uh, two towns, both uh, Hollywood and Los Angeles, merged together to secure uh, adequate water rights and to gain access to the L.A. sewer system. By then, many of the uh, motion picture companies, including the uh, Thomas Edison Motion Picture Patents Company, were starting to move in there, most of them avoiding frequent lawsuits and uh, hounding uh, them to stop uh, productions. So as this newer state and being on the far side of the country, lawsuits, 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 lawsuits were harder to serve, let alone to make them pay for any reparations rewarded. With Hollywood's easy access to different terrains, good climate, and low land prices, boy, I wish you could say that these days, Studios began flocking to the region and setting up shop. Yeah, today the taxes are quite high in California and real estate is extremely through the roof. So people are actually moving away from California to get away from those high taxes as opposed to... Um, as opposed to having to live through it. Um, Alan is asking, do we know where all the money came from? Um, was it business, family money, or pirate treasure? Uh, I would say one, uh, family money. Uh, two, also during that, uh, in the early uh, part of it, it was basically, you know, a lot of the uh, movie production companies that are no longer around we're actually kind of uh, running off with the money saying, I'm going to make a movie and not make it. So, say business, family, and a little unscrupulous uh, dealings, you know. Now, the infamous yes. sign that uh, we'd, we'd love to talk about was actually uh, erected in 1923 called Hollywood Land. It was to advertise a real estate developer's uh, housing project. Uh, unlike its fiery demise in the Disneyland's Rocketeer or similar CNOs in dozen of the film, the city of Los Angeles entered a contract with the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce in 1949 after the developer's company went underneath in the Great Depression. But then again, what does that Hollywood sign have to do with the hauntings? Well, Kim, why don't you tell us about the uh, most famous Hollywood land uh, haunted? Sure. There was a lady named Peg in Twistle, and she moved from Hollywood. Um, sorry, she moved to Hollywood from New York. As she was in New York, she was a rising star on stage. And at the age of 24, she had dreams of making it big in Hollywood and seeing herself in movies. However, once she got to Hollywood, it was very hard to get noticed among the, the many beautiful women that were already there. So she continued to do plays in the hopes that somebody might see her on stage and move her to the silver screen. And she did land her first big role in the David Selznick production of 13 Women. However, the majority of her scenes were cut and ended up on the floor. After that, her contract was not renewed. With all this going on, depression did set in. And on September 16th of 1932. Not, not, uh, not to be confused with the fact that she was depressed. The, uh, the depression was setting in and was in full spring when, on September 16th, 1932. Just to clarify that. Well, I'm sure she was pretty depressed too. I right. mean, she was in her dreams of Hollywood 
um, not really getting there. And we all know firsthand how that can be when you want something really bad and you don't right. see a means of that happening. So I'm sure she had some depression too, especially what led to what happened to her on September 16th of 1932. On that day, she had told her uncle that she was going to go out with some friends, but instead she hiked up the, the canyon to the Hollywood sign. Now, there is a rumor that she was intoxicated, but that has never really been proven. Of course, she may have actually needed that liquid courage to help her with the idea to climb up the rickety ladder of 50 feet to the top of the letter H. Um, once she got to the top of the H, she apparently leapt from her death. Now, back in those days, the sign was electrified with 4,000 big white bulbs and it alternately lit it lit up holly wood holly wood kind of like a flashy cool thing um and then of course the land would light up as well since it was still there at this time um so her purse a shoe and jacket were found the next day by a hiker and inside the the purse was a suicide note and she had signed it with only her initials. Now, I'm not sure exactly what the um, the sign said, like what her suicide note said, but it was obvious that she was there to take her life. Um, now, this was a horrible way for an actress whose Broadway performance had inspired a young Betty Davis to tell her mother, I want to be exactly like Peg, I'm Twistle. And it is rumored uh, how the day after her death, a letter arrived offering her the starring role in a play about a young woman who commits suicide. So if that's true, that is quite ironic. But a little bit more about the haunting. It really didn't hit the news until 1940 when the letter H toppled over due to a lack of maintenance. And the sign at that time was considered to be iconic, though the LA Parks and Recreations Commission really wanted it demolished. I guess they thought it was like an eyesore or hard to maintain, so they actually wanted it taken down. Uh, joggers, hikers, and many park rangers have reported since the 40s that they see a ghostly apparition of a confused-looking blonde and 30s wardrobe in the area around the sign, accompanied by the scent of gardenias, which was her favorite perfume. Peg has supposedly been heard to whisper boo at the braver stupid enough to climb up to the on the dark foggy night. However, it has since been changed to white metal letters rather than wood and moored in the concrete footings rather than merely tethered to phone poles. However, before you get any ideas of wanting to go and check it out, the sign has now been fenced off and it is, um, you can get fined for going out there and jumping the fence. This is to prevent any kind of vandalism or other hijinks. And it seems that she may not have been famous in her lifetime, but her story does live on long, long after death. And her remains are the only death from jumping from the sign. However, plenty of other deaths have happened in the area. As for the site, a while became a dumping ground for body parts for serial killers. But that's the story for another day. Maybe if we possibly in the future do something for true crime, we can go ahead and throw something like that in someday. Yes. Well, let's talk about the wonderful, uh, famous actress everybody loves. I mean, they even wrote a song about her. I love Lucy and Lucy loves me. Yes, we're talking about uh, Lucille Ball. Her ghost uh, still roams the Paramount Studio property. Night watchmen report often seeing her in the upper floors of the Hart Building, accompanied by a scent of a flowery perfume. Back in the uh, day, right before she sold Desilu Studios to Paramount, that was where the Hart Building was located. Lucille, after more lively, however, in her frequent heart, her old Beverly Hills home also holds her there. 
The house was sold a few years after her death in 1989, and the all new owners gutted the place. An old friend, who shall remain anonymous, was driving out to the home out of nostalgia and caught sight of a red-headed woman standing at the fence peering through the mess. She turned towards him and realized the upset and confused-looking woman was Lucy. She turned and walked to the south corner of the house and disappeared from view. Although that was not the last scene of Lucy, as the new owners often hear her up in the attic, not being intrusive, but definitely playful, the ghost has been known to rearrange furniture and boxes stored up there. The sound of a party been heard upstairs, as well as the wonderful theme song of I Love Lucy playing. She's considered a peaceful and natural part of the home, and the older rooms have made no attempt to move her on. Now, an interesting story about Lucille Ball, I remember from when she was alive. She told a story um, about where she was driving down the same road every night, and she would start to hear music. Her radio was off, and she could not for the life of her figure out where this music was coming from. And she found it very haunting. Well, it turns out she was driving by a radio station. And fillers in her teeth were picking up the radio waves. So she was actually hearing the radio through the fillers in her teeth and her mouth. And so that's where the, the haunting music was coming from. So that's just a little interesting tidbit about poor Lucy. I'm sure she was very freaked out by all of this. Um, our brother Gary's listening in and he says, good stuff. Thank you, Gary. Glad you could join us tonight. Yes. And we hope you are doing well, Gary. Hello, Gary. <laughs> now, for a more unhappy death, there's the story of Virginia Rapp. And she is often seen weeping next to the lake in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Many notables are also buried here, including Toto the dog from Wizard of Oz, Virginia however, is the ghost who is most often seen. She was a silent film actress and was at a par party with Fatty Arbuckle when she became ill and died several days later from a ruptured bladder. Guests came forward and claimed that Fatty had raped the woman and due to his weight had ruptured her bladder, leading to her death. Fatty was later acquitted by a jury that the scandal of it put an end to his career and the truth about her death is unknown. Perhaps that's why she's always seen crying. Now, I'd like to in interrupt there and actually uh, talk about uh, that, that case because a lot of people have actually said that uh, she was not, she was a silent film actress, yes, but she was just an extra, you know, for $10 a day. And she may have died due to a fact of a botched abortion because she was also known as a party girl back in the day. According to the other witnesses, Mr. Arbuckle was actually very accommodating to her and let her lie down in the other room while he was having this party. And uh, when uh, she started screaming uh, very loudly, uh, he called the police and they found her in a pool of blood. And so basically uh, they rushed her off to the hospital where she died several days later due to that ruptured bladder. So I'm on the side that maybe Fatty Arbuckle, even though he was at his time the most uh, extravagant, luxurious uh, party uh, person, it may have been that the fact that uh, she may have died to, to complications to an operation. That's my opinion. She's been seen crying in the hotel where she was found, but she's also been found in Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Okay. And although there are no other um, famous spirits who haunt the grounds that have been named, they do have see wraiths in period clothing floating around the grounds. Um, there's also, a, I think, a famous photo of Jim Morrison that was taken there that has since been proven to be fake. Yes. Of, of his spirit uh, next to his tomb. Um, 
a friend of mine, Jackie, actually knows somebody related to that story of the photo and has said that it is a fake. So if y'all do see that photo out there of Jim Morrison supposedly haunting his tomb. Right. Also interesting to note for all you uh, Penn and Teller fans, they actually have a uh, tombstone out there for a plot for possibly either Penn or Teller whenever they die that uh, actually is a three of clubs. And the uh, epitaph reads, is this your card? <laughs> oh, interesting. Now, the Biltmore Hotel has its share of haunts. The ghost of Elizabeth Short is said to have made the place home. Short, who was an aspiring actress, never got her chance and was last seen on January 9th, 1947. Her body was found six days later. <laughs> Alan says he's a fan of Pill and Teller. Yes, we are, we are as well. They are, they're pretty awesome. But Elizabeth Short, most people know her more famously as the Black Dahlia. Um, because she was known to wear a black dahlia in her hair. Um, she was last seen at the bar there at the Biltmore. And I think, I'm not sure, I think I recently had heard that they had finally solved her murder. But I don't know if it's still rumored or not as to who the murderer is, but I know they have a pretty good idea of the guy. However, her ghost can still be seen there at the bar, sharing a cocktail with the crowd, talking about her chances of becoming a star. All right. Nice to know the fact that the Biltor, uh, Bilt, Biltmore uh, Hotel has a cocktail in their honor after the nickname, the Black Dahlia. Now, however, before we even start any, talking about any or more ghosts, I would like to say the Biltmore Hotel was even in the original Ghostbusters movie. The lobby where the Ghostbusters finally catch uh, Slimer was shot in what is now the hotel's lobby. Interesting, considering the movie actually took place in New York, that they filmed it up that right. part of the that's, that's very interesting. The Chateau Marmont on Sunset Strip was built in 1927 and was loosely modeled after a chateau in France. Almost immediately, it was known as both long and short-term home for many A-lister actors. We call it a bevy. Ah, what is a bevy? Another word for saying many. Okay. It's like a plethora. Um, do you even know what a plethora is? Uh, actually, uh, I do, but let's just say that if you know what the word plethora means, I'm with you on that. <laughs> okay, so we have a plethora, plethora of A-listers that live at this um, chateau, and the apartments were converted to a hotel back in 1932, and they served as an air raid shelter during World War II. There have been ghostly apparitions, and these can be seen in the windows. They tend to open on their own, and furniture is moved around. The ghosts of Marilyn, Howard, Hughes, Boris Karloff, and even the legendary uh, frontman of the Doors, Jim Morrison, have been said to have been making uh, an appearance there. Most modern appearances uh, of Chateau Marmont are John Belushi, who died on the side after a fateful uh, drug overdose, as well as the spirits of Sharon Tate and Natalie Wood. Well, speaking of everyone's favorite blonde, Marilyn, she has to be one of the most prolific ghosts in all of Hollywood, as she seems to still get around, even in death. Um, she is seen not only at the uh, Chateau Marmont, but also the Brentwood home where she died and she's also been sitting on a bench at the Hippodrome in Santa Monica Pier and she also has been known to be seen looking out a full-length mirror that used to hang in her room at the Roosevelt Hotel. 
that mirror used to hang in her room. However, uh, people who would go stay there would get so terrified of seeing her looking out at them that they actually took it down and moved it to the hallway. And uh, means that uh, the Rosebud Hotel is where we're moving on to next. It's been uh, always known as a starting point of many career. Shirley Temple herself took her first ever tap lessons on the lobby stairs. Actor David Niven had an employee take a chance on him and let, let him crash into a small room for free. And Lou Ayers, whose career eventually spanned six decades, got to start when he asked an actress to dance with, with him in the Roosevelt Ballroom, thus catching the agent's eye. Marilyn must have uh, taken place because not only did she haunt her old suite, but she's also been spotted dancing at the Roosevelt in the Blossom Ballroom, uh, which also hosts two unknown male ghosts in tuxedos that may have back to win the uh, ballroom hosted the first ever banquet and program with the program itself only lasting five minutes. Interesting to note. Uh, the movie Wings was uh, voted Best Picture at that time, which was actually for, uh, filmed in San Antonio, or most of it was filmed in San Antonio at Randolph Air Force Base. Interesting. Marilyn herself has also been spotted lounging by the pool in her old cabana, as well as in the ladies' room. I remember her doing a, uh, like, I think it was Vanity Fair or one of those magazines, and they took several pictures of her lounging by that pool. Is that correct? That is correct. She's also been spotted at the ladies' room at the old Knickerbocker and Al Capitan hotels. A heavy pink colored mist also spotted numerous times next to the crypt at the Westwood Village Memorial Park, while with many uh, speculating the mist to be her spirit to come to check in. Other ghosts of the Roosevelt include Montgomery Clift, Clark Gable, and Karen Lombard, who start, started their love affair there at the Roosevelt, and their penthouse suite has been said to still house the lovers. We just got a comment from Adriana Radford Hanks. I like your pod show. I'm sorry. I like your show, podcasts, and discussions. And she also says Hollywood. Haunted Hollywood is a place of, uh, for her to go. I should tell my wife that uh, her, for, her former roommate is, hey, how you doing? Yes, it's always good to see you, Ed. Yes, thank you for tuning in. Um, we're glad you enjoy our show. Now, nearly as prolific as Marilyn, the heartbreaker, Rudolph Valentino, has been said to not only haunt his own mansion, but also has been spotted at the Knickerbocker as well, at his beach house, um, which is another 1920s hotspot. The Hotel Alexandria in the bathrooms and at a local grill and his old apartment, not only to mention the Paramount Studios and the Hollywood Forever Cemetery that sits adjacent to it. Um, did, if I'm mistaken, but wasn't there a episode of Dead Famous that we saw with um, Chris Fleming where they went looking for the ghost of Rudolph Valentino and they went yes. to a couple of these places? I think I remember him, them going to his, um, the beach house as well as the hotel, correct? That is correct. Now, Valentino's dog, may he rest in peace, Kabar, is said to howl for his master, not only at the mansion, but also at the pet cemetery where he is buried. Moving on from Valentino and his cute little puppy, we have someone who is mostly known for haunting in Tennessee. And when I say Tennessee, I'm thinking possibly Memphis possibly Graceland. There have been sightings of Elvis Presley, even. Elvis is everywhere. Now, this is very interesting because uh, according to some people, Elvis is still alive. So I'm wondering, are they actually seeing his ghost or are they seeing the man himself? Well, he has Not been so seen at the Knickerbocker Hotel as well as uh, several other hotspots outside the Hollywood borders. He really liked Hollywood. I mean... Means we're over here. Let's go ahead and check out the Knickerbocker. 
it's a non a grade and a uh, nondescript kind of building, but in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, it was immensely popular, intending a list of uh, the Hollywood elites. Uh, Marine O'Hara herself kept a permanent residence on its upper floor. When its popular, uh, popularity declined, however, is when a lot of celebrities began staying there if they didn't want to draw attention to themselves. Mary Monroe, Joe DiMaggio met there for dates, uh, as well as their honeymoon there. And Elvis, because, you know, we're talking about the uh, Knickerbocker, actually stayed at the hotel while filming the movie Love Me Tender. Alan says, going back to Valentino's puppy, Kabar, he says that some dogs are as much trouble in life as in death. Yes, they are. But you got to love the furries. They're such sweet, wonderful yes. people. Yes. And when they stick around after death to still look after you, they're even more special, in my opinion. Also to note that, uh, being that we're talking about puppies, the friendliest being Speck, an English setter dog who lived in the apartment, uh, lived in the hotel with his master, Jack Matthews, who managed the hotel. Speck even learned how to press the button on the elevator so he could ride it up or down. Now, reports over the years seeing an old English setter dog riding the elevator with him, walking down the halls, or sitting patiently outside of his door. The ghost of D.W. Griffin has been seen. He's dressed as a uh, dapper old man in dated clothes, swinging his cane and humming to himself there in the lobby. That kind of reminds me of the the um, Monopoly Man. Kind w. of like, that's Griffin? what I'm seeing in my mind. Yes. D.W. Griffin of, reminds you of Uncle Moneybanks from Monopoly? It does, yes. He's got the top, top hat and swinging his cane along, hunting to himself. Mm-hmm. That may be. <laughs> now, sadly, the Knickerbocker also holds tragic entity ghosts known as Irene Gibbons. Irene was a much sought-after costume designer who dressed stars such as Marlena Dietrich, Ingrid Bergman, and Joan Crawford. Um, now, Joan deserves an episode to herself. And if anybody would like to hear more about the hauntings of Joan Crawford, uh, give us a shout out either on our group or here, and we'll look into doing a because um, it really it not only is it uh, her personality, but her uh, her story also has a lot of uh, demons, hauntings, and the like. So, Shelly's here. Hey, Shelly. Shelly says it sounds good. So we'll look into doing an episode in the future on Joan. Maybe. Um, yes. She also yes. says D.W. Griffith also starred in United Artists Studio with Mary Pickford and Charlie Chaplin. Yes, they did. Yes. Now, back to Irene. Um, by 1962, times had changed and Irene was no longer in demand. She checked herself into the Knickerbocker, drank herself numb, wrote a suicide note, and then jumped from her window to her death. Residents well, also... Jumping in out the window to her death, you know. Once you jump out <laughs> the window, you're dead. Well, not necessarily. You know, you could land on, like, the awning or something and actually survive. That has yeah. happened. But, True, but... She, she sadly did... Uh, uh, oh, I... Um, Adriana says she would love more on Joan Crawford if that's something that we're thinking of doing. Definitely. Yes. We're thinking we definitely of Yes. Um, so, yes. So, she did jump to her death. She did not survive. <laughs> Shelly says, depends on what floor you jump from. This is right. true. Um, residents often report a chill and an odd urge to throw themselves from the window in that room. Other residents have reported seeing a middle-aged woman with her hair and clothes in disarray, standing on the one the windowsill, who either disappears before their eyes or is simply not there when they rush up to investigate. Or they are left in horror watching as a figure leaps from the window and crashes onto the roof of the lobby below. I don't think I'd want to see that. Um, so they would actually not only see her figure jump but see the body land to me that would be devastating especially you know not, not realizing it's a spirit now talking about uh 
basically jumping out of the window. Tragedy struck at the home of George Reeves, the uh, original TV Superman, on June 16, 1959. Just days before he was to marry uh, his fiancée, he and some friends were entertaining uh, and drinking heavily. Reeves apparently got into an argument with his fiancée and stormed upstairs into a bad mood. The guests, of course, says George, continued on downstairs when they heard a single gunshot from the bedroom. Wow, Hollywood uh, uh, police have ruled it a homicide. The scene itself uh, has left many questions as to whether uh, George Reeves had pulled the trigger or was killed. It was ruled a suicide, not a homicide. It was ruled a suicide, not a homicide. Yeah, he said homicide. It was. I'm just saying because I kind of believe it might have been a a, a homicide. Uh, I, I've his, heard that his, as well. His uh, fiance was actually a uh, married to a man who was had a very violent temper. Yes, and Alan says that never jump without your cape nicely ironed and tied securely around your neck. Right. Since then, reports of the home of being haunted include strange noises from the bedroom, the smell of gunpowder, and belongings being moved about. Dogs, Alan have been said to stand in the doorway of the room refusing to enter and barking as well as lights flickering off and on. His spectral form being seen in the house sadly is in the Superman costume where he's been stand, been seen uh, standing at the foot of the bed. Is he still trying to say he's the man of steel? Or that he didn't pull the trigger? Or he's just unable to move on from his own inner demons? Now, why would he show up being dressed up as Superman? I mean, I would think that he would want to be known for who he really was, not for being the character he played. Well, so wouldn't he? That's that's a kind of a uh, basically. It was uh, the white stone around him. He was known even by little children as Superman, and he really wanted to to move out of being that that character. He wanted to be more of an, uh, a prolific in, uh, entertainer, not just some guy who calls himself Superman. I mean, yes, he uh, he actually uh, directed a few of the episodes. He was actually look, looking to actually uh, go back behind the camera more and leave Superman behind him. See, that's what I'm thinking. Wouldn't he be portrayed as himself and not as his character he was so desperately wanting to escape from? Yeah, I think so, but so hmm. things that make you go hmm. exactly. Now, uh, let's uh, uh, go ahead and talk about the wonderful world of Disney. We before even... we do that, um, Sean or not Sean? I'm sorry, Shelley says maybe he can't bring himself to actually let go, even in the afterlife. Maybe, uh, you know, kind of. That's a good point. Audience. Yeah. So, and the wonderful world of Disney, the happiest place on earth, has also been shared of otherworldly events. Uh, the Haunted Mansion itself has been uh, quoted by a Disney custodian, has been so many human ashes that it's not even funny. Dumping your ashes uh, in Disneyland or Disney World is uh, prohibited, and you will, no, quote, will get immediately escorted off the property if you're caught. And if the residue is discovered on a ride, it's shut down while a manager goes through the ride, look for obvious ash piles. But, but that's only if you leave the residue where it can be seen. If it's spotted, Look to your family's uh, members' remains to be sucked up by a HEPA filter filtration unit and disposed of properly. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's very uh, inconsiderate of this dead person. I that's, mean, I, I can understand that, you know, you want to want to prevent disease or whatever, but to just say, okay, uh, somebody grab the vacuum. We got another mess to clean up over here. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> They could find a better way to, you know, get the ashes and maybe, you know, move them up into the land or something. I... Right. 
talk about this. Enough, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Alice says, <laughs> Alice says, yikers, I'm stuck in a vacuum cleaner. Forever. Oh, just to be thrown in the trash when they clean it out. Right. Or, I don't know. Maybe uh, they, they decide, well, I want to be haunted by a vacuum cleaner. Well, look at it this way. They throw it in the vacuum cleaner. Then it, you know, goes in the trash. Before you know it, you're haunting the city dump. Mm -hmm. Who wants to do that? Right. And <laughs> Shelly says that sucks. <laughs> Literally. Now, the reason Literally. why you also brought up uh, Disneyland itself is back in 2009, after the park had been shut down for the night, a security camera at one of the uh, one of the original Disneyland resorts caught a ghost wandering through the park, a ghost that many believe to be a ghost of Walt himself. Now, no one says whether it's him or not, but it does seem to be uh, like that sweet man to want to check in the park to make sure everything is ready for next day's visitors to, to the land he built. Also, he uh, in the... Uh, the main area, USA, called uh, uh, Main, Street, USA. Main Street, USA. Uh, basically, he's got uh, Walt had an office right uh, right above the entrance where he used to go and unwind and look out and uh, see the people. That light uh, stays on constantly. Whenever it burns out, they just put a uh, light back in it. I mean, put a little light bulb back back in it. One night, a security guard came by and turned off the light. Went downstairs, uh, turned around, and noticed the fact that uh, Walt's uh, office light was on. So he went up there, turned it off again, came back downstairs, boom, it's back on. And so he called a supervisor uh, about this, and the uh, supervisor says, well, I'm sorry to say, uh, that's kind of... Uh, that was uh, Walt's office, and uh, one of the uh, things that uh, said in his will that, that that light will constantly be on. Maybe Walt himself uh, wanted to make sure that he could see it, uh, see out in the dark. Well, I have an article here, and this is the article that um, where the security footage once caught Walt Disney's ghost roaming in the park. Um, they have circled here what appears to be a figure. Now, whether it's Walt or not, who's to say? Um, or it could be, to me, it looks maybe a dirty lens on the camera. Uh, what are your thoughts? Mm. It could be uh, some dust blowing through, dirty uh, lens on the camera. Uh, usually, if something like that would happen, uh, I would uh, turn around uh, go out there and clean the lens uh, the next day and see, uh, see if, uh, the, if it happens again. Well, I will post this uh, article on our website um, as well as in our Facebook group. And we welcome our listeners to check it out. And, you know, let us know your opinions. Do you think this is really a spirit that they caught on camera? Um Ah. Uh, Alan says it was a photoshopped sunspot activity. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good yes. theory. Maybe a fact. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on if, if you think this is a sunspot, if you think it's a smudge, if you think it's a ghost, and do you think it's really Walt himself? Um, let us know on our website or through our Facebook group. Yes. Interesting to note also the original voice of Mickey Mouse was actually Walt himself. Really? Yes. Not only did he create the the uh, the mouse with uh, that lives in the house, but he did the voice as well, uh, na namely among the times of uh, Steamboat Willie and the uh, late uh, earlier cartoons. Interesting. So, yeah, these are just some of the, the ghosts that uh, Alan says, anything for tourists. Agreed. Um, I wouldn't put it past, oh. Mickey or Mortimer? Uh, Mickey Mouse Mortimer was actually done by uh, the same person who did, uh, I believe it was uh, Clarence Nash. I'm not too sure about that. But, yeah, Mickey was uh, done by 
by Walt Disney for the at least for the first few cartoons. Yes, um, but I would not put it past Disney to do anything to get more money out of people. Um, so yes, they definitely could have photoshopped that to get more tourists out there. Um, but yeah, these are just some of the hauntings that take place in Hollywood. Um, as I said, there are several others. Um, one of the places that I would love to do a full episode again on would be the Cecil Hotel. That place has a lot of um, strange things that happen there, which would require a full episode, yes. as well as... Um, I wonder if uh, Buffalo Bob is haunting any places, because we're just bringing up the peanut gallery. We could just do a whole thing on, on haunted Howdy Doody, if that's actually a thing. <laughs> yes. I mean, Bob Keeshan, who later would become Captain Kangaroo, getting off topic, played the original Clarabelle the Clown. Shelly says she did not know about Clarabelle. Yes, I did know about that. Things you, you find out some days when you read uh, biographies. Yes. Reading is fundamental, everybody. So, as I was saying, I would love to do a full episode on the Cecil Hotel because there are a lot of things that have happened there that are very interesting and intriguing. So, if there's any other Hollywood hauntings that y'all would like to hear about or that you have heard of, let us know either through our website, info at skepticpsychic.com, is our email, or even in our Facebook group. Um, Anything else you'd like to add there? Uh, well, we'd like to add, we'd like to appreciate everybody that ca uh, came by. Annie, uh, Alan, Shelly, Gary, thank you for coming by and visiting with us. We appreciate your uh, comments and we look forward to if uh, we're going to go ahead and start doing this uh, every Sunday, if you, if you guys don't mind. So that way, Fun times. Yes. Fun times. Fun times. Thank you very much. And thank you. Yes, we will be moving the show to Sundays afternoons. I think that'll give us more of a chance to have more people be able to stop by. I know the weeks were hard for people because of work and family life and everything. So we will be having the shows on Sat on Sundays from now on. And Shelly says, awesome. Yes, congratulations. We'll get you cookies yeah. next time. Um, we do. If you do miss the live, uh, we do have the recordings come out on different, uh, different podcast streams, such as Apple Podcasts, Google. Um, we're on Audible, Amazon Music, Spotify, Pretty much anywhere where you can find podcasts and you can go and rate us five stars please give us five stars please oh please give us five stars yes the uh the better our ratings and the more reviews we get the easier it is for other people to find us um you can also catch the video on youtube we ask that you like and subscribe there and hit the notification button uh-oh, Alan says he is off on Sundays. Beware, you have been warned. <laughs> we look forward to it, Mr. Schmidt. Yes, we are happy to have you. Um, but yeah, if you check us out on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe and tell others. I also have posted some of our videos there. <laughs> Shelly gives us five so yes, um, I have posted some other videos there on YouTube talking about some of my experiences and maybe I can, with your help, we can convince Richard over here to share some of his uh, stories on YouTube as well. Maybe, I'll think about it. <laughs> so anything else you'd like to add this week? Uh, just that the uh, fact that uh, everybody uh, again, we appreciate uh, you coming and visiting with us while we're, uh, we're discussing these topics. Uh, may have to figure out uh, who, yeah, you will get to see me in May. I know. I, I wish I could be there. Yes. Darn it. Just tell me the, uh, tell me the day and I'll get a request of time off. Yes, we need to plan a road trip. Yes. 
Who's in charge of <laughs> popcorn next week? Uh, Shelly's in charge of uh, the the, uh, uh, the the desserts and the uh, the concession stands. So. <laughs> yes. So we do have a lot of great things coming out in the future. Um, anybody's interested? We're looking and possibly having some merchandising. Merchandising, merchandising. That's where the real money comes in. And um, as well as some other things. So, yeah, we enjoy having everybody here. We hope you stick around and keep enjoying what uh, what we're putting out there. Right. Uh, also, uh, next week, we're going to be talking about uh, a creature from Tasmania that it goes into cryptozoology. And I know I'm not talking about uh, the t uh, Tasmanian devil. I'm talking about the tiger itself. Oh, yes, we could have a, a an action figure of Richard. Yes. By the way, it would actually have a book bag full of D&D uh, books as well as a sword in the other. Yeah. Wearing a Skeptic Psychic t-shirt. Yes, and a dice bag dangling off yeah. the belt loop. Okay. I don't well, know what you would do. But what does that have to do with paranormal? <laughs> Hey, I'm, I'm ready for anything. <laughs> uh, Shelly says, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, next week we will be talking about a creature from Tasmania. And no, we're not talking about Bugs Bunny's friend that you we're can never understand. We're talking about the, uh, the Tasmanian tiger, which the last one seen. Uh, yes, Tasmanian tigers have uh, keep being seen, but they've never photographed it. The last one was fo uh, photographed in 1936 at an Australian yes. zoo. So we're going to be talking about the sightings as well as the creature itself. Yeah, so we look forward to seeing you all here next week um, to while we discuss our opinions on if we think this creature is still out there or if he has died out as <laughs> out of the food. Yes, we will. Uh, I think, it's well, a, um, I think it would be, a, it's a, it's an omnivore. So maybe some grass, maybe some small field mice or something like that. It's right. not too big. I agree with Shelly. I would love to find out if it's still around. Um, uh, me as well. It's that's always been a fascinating creature uh, to me. Yes, especially because it, its mouth goes ah. Yes, um, my sister-in-law, our great researcher, made a comment about how it would be the creature that, if anybody remembers Cat Dog, she says that this is the creature that Cat Dog was created from. Because the front of it looks like a dog, and the back of it looks like a cat or a tiger. So, yeah. Who knows? It's very interesting. <laughs> so, but until then, um, we invite y'all again to our Facebook group to chat among yourselves and meet other really? like-minded people. Really? That's what she <laughs> says. Really. But uh, as we like to close out, uh, leaving uh, leaving you with the, with uh, the thoughts and discussions, and saying, "Unhappy nightmares." I thought it was unpleasant nightmares. Unpleasant nightmares too. <laughs> Sweet dreams, everybody. Take bye. care. Bye bye.